and welcome. I'm your host, Paul Gillette. Joining me again today are Gary Polino and Phil Greenberg from Traintech LLC. We had such a lengthy conversation with them that we had to break it up into two programs. In the first podcast, Gary spoke about Traintech, his company's focus on service, their DCC installations, the HO market, and the DCC possibilities to model railroaders. In this podcast, Phil's going to be talking about the MTH DCS system and large scale. So let's get started on part two of the Train Tech LLC podcast for Model Railroad Hobbyist Magazine. Gary, uh, tell us a little bit about Phil, and then I've got some questions about the uh, MTH, uh, their large scale. Well, Phil has become a, an invaluable part of, uh, of this business, and he's uh, been instrumental in growing the MTH side of the business um, as, as in conjunction with their DCS system and uh, large-scale installations. He has been a railroader for many, many years. He also has quite a technical background. He's worked in IT, and he's very competent as far as uh, computer control and a lot of the things that we get into. And uh, I first met Phil uh, when I was a co-owner of, uh, of the store a couple of years ago, um, and he introduced me to MTH DCS. And once I saw it, I was absolutely hooked. It was just amazing what you can do with it. I'm still learning um, as we go every day there. So we're actually cross-training each other because Phil is kind of the same way I was with DCS and we're we're training each other and uh, that's been working out so he um, he's our, our DCS guru great Phil tell you what I have a vague knowledge of the proprietary system DCS and it's probably the same with a lot of our listeners why don't you give us the rundown of DCS maybe some pros and cons little uh, contrast with DCC as you said, it's a proprietary system. So right there, that to many people is considered a con. But if you look at the basic concept of DCS, it is very similar to DCC in that it allows you to remotely control a single train or multiple trains from one point on the same track. Just like with DCC, you can do lash-ups and run separate trains on the same track, just like the prototype. Okay. One of the nice things about DCS is that it's it's got bidirectional communication. So Gary was mentioning that there's a speedometer that you can read your scale miles per hour on the HO side that came out. Well, with DCS, it'll send the signal out to the locomotive, and you'll tell it what you want it to do as far as scale speed. And you can actually get a readout back on your remote control of what the scale speed is. You can use it to monitor your signal strength throughout your layout. So if you find that there's a, a rough spot somewhere, you can actually watch it as the train is going around your layout and say, you know what, maybe I need to add another wire over there or take something away from over there. Or So it, the advantage of that bidirectional communication okay. is big pro. The other nice thing about DCS is if it's AC or DC, as far as the newer PS2 boards are concerned. It'll auto-detect whether it's an AC current or a DC current. Okay. What's nice about it is with DCS system, like the DCC systems, you've, you've got a throttle. In DCS's case, it is a wireless throttle with the option to wire. 
can just plug a regular handset phone cable into the remote control and into its TIU, which is the track interface unit, and use it as a wired unit or wireless. And with that remote, you can have up to five TIUs together. And then there's also an accessory interface unit. And the accessory interface unit allows you to control 10 switches and 10 accessories. So you can flip your, your turnouts from that same remote control, turn on and off your, your lighting or any of your operating accessories with that same remote control. And you know, like I said, you, you have five TIUs, and each TIU can have five AIUs on them. If you do the math, you can do 250 turnouts and 250 <laughs> accessories plus run all of your trains from one remote control. That's amazing. So, you know, right there, that's, you know, that, that's a big pro. One of the other uh, pros about uh, DCS is that with that remote control, you have the ability of running conventional locomotives. So you don't need to have PS2 in your locomotive in order to use DCS. If you get a DCS system, it comes with two variable outputs and two fixed voltage outputs. Okay. So if you have some older locomotives that you don't want to upgrade because of collection value or, or whatever your reasons, you can still use DCS to remotely control those, which is a very nice feature. And added to that, if you have a Z4000 transformer from MTH, you can do what's called Z4000 tracks. And you can, again, control your whole layout with analog by controlling the voltage from your remote control. It's a very robust system. Okay. You also have the ability of running the, the Lionel TMCC and legacy-equipped locomotives. TMCC, you've got the full functionality of a TMCC locomotive. Uh, as far as legacy is concerned, I would say you've got anywhere from uh, 90 to 95% of functionality on that legacy locomotive. There's very few things that I miss running my legacy-equipped locomotives with my DCS remote as opposed to the, the legacy remote. And that's important. Like you say, it allows you to mix and match, and you don't have to go out and make an additional investment just to be able to control a lot of the uh, stock you've already got in hand. Right. You know, we mentioned videos on Facebook earlier. One of the videos, the, the display that I have on the MTH side of the train tech layout that we have at the shows, I'm running MTH... DCS-equipped locomotives. I'm running the Atlas locomotive that was upgraded at MTH. Uh, so you can see an Atlas locomotive that's been upgraded to PS2. I'm running Lionel TMCC-equipped locomotive, as well as a Lionel Thomas the Tank engine, which is just an analog conventional locomotive. And with that same remote control and that one track interface unit, the TIU, I'm also running the HO MTH locomotives, two of them usually in tandem going back and forth, and that one-gauge Hudson from MTH. So not only can you do multi-manufacturers, but you can do multi-gauge with the DCS system. And you're doing all this simultaneously? It's all being done simultaneously, and with the built-in ability of the DCS system of being able to record your motions with the exception of the conventional locomotive and the TMCC locomotive, which I have on a, on a little pie-shaped display, the MTH locomotives are running an out-and-back operation. So they go to you know one side of the layout and 
go over to the other side of the layout, and then go back uh, all on the same track. So multi-gauge, multi-manufacturer, and conventional. You know, that's <laughs> a lot of value in that little box. It, it, it really is amazing what you can do with it. DCS sounds great, but why didn't MTH just use DCC instead of reinventing the wheel? DCC, as far as the larger scales, and I'm talking O and, and larger, didn't catch on on the three-rail side as, as much as it did on the two-rail side. And even on the two-rail O scale, DCC is still just breaking through the gauge barrier from, from HO to O. You know, Lionel came out with their TMCC system for three-rail, and then with MTH came out with their DCS system as their answer. And hands down, it's simply one of the best ways to run a railroad. I think their their slogan says it all. Okay, and there's, right now, am I correct in saying that the only way you get a, a DCS system is if you buy an MTH train? There's no standalone decoder and control that you could add to a regular train? Well, yes and no. Okay. Um, one of the things that we specialize in is doing upgrades. MTH has a DCS upgrade kit that was their intention for people with their earlier locomotives, their PS1, their Loco Sound, give those people the ability to upgrade to PS2. But we have put that same PS2 upgrade kit into Atlas locomotives. Virtually any conventional locomotive with a, a DC can-style motor and flywheel can be upgraded to PS2. Uh, which which is very nice. And, and as Gary mentioned, we both went to uh, MTH last summer, and one of the things I did at MTH was install a PS2 upgrade kit into an Atlas locomotive. They were a little leery on that when they saw me pull out an Atlas box and they said, <laughs> wait a minute, you're supposed to be working on MTH products down here. Yeah. And I said, ah, but wait, here you go. And what was nice about that is down at MTH, they usually see the PS2 upgrade kits in MTH locomotives that didn't quite make it. And it was nice for them to see the PS2 upgrade kit being installed in a non-MTH product. And I think it kind of opened their eyes. They knew it was happening, but they never saw it. So that was actually fun doing that at MTH, you know, with the technicians kind of looking over your shoulder saying, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I can see how that works now. So, So technically, yes, it was originally designed for MTH-specific locomotives, but there are many cases where we can put the DCS Protosound 2 system into a non-MTH locomotive. Okay. Well, and with your dramatic uh, demonstration form, if I'm the product manager, I'm going to be going, wow, here's an, a whole new revenue opportunity, a new channel to be exploited, you know, because you just described an incredible system that you hold in your hands, and uh, yeah. that is amazing. Now, mainly you work with MTH's large scale. Is that O-gauge? Is that G? What is that? Primarily, it's O-gauge. We haven't really seen much of the MTH one-gauge, which runs on the G-scale track. We haven't seen much of that because it already has the protosound system in it. Okay. But there is the option for people, as Gary mentioned, we get a lot of G-gauge coming into the shop now, and it is an option for them because there is an actual G-gauge upgrade kit that MTH now produces. It's pretty much the same thing. It's just got uh, 
heavier heat sinks because obviously there's a lot more draw on those motors right. for the larger scale than there are for even the O scale. And from a conversation that I had this afternoon, there is a thought of having the PS3, which is what they have in their HO locomotives now, and have upgrade kits for HO to be the MTH system. Okay. You know, DCS compatible, which of course would also be DCC and analog. So. All right. All right. Yeah, maybe the light went off in their head. Now, what when somebody tells me about a is it USA Trains? Is is am I saying it correctly? USA Trains. Yep. That's um that's the G scale manufactured out of Malden, Massachusetts here. And uh, as a matter of fact, we do several uh, installs for them. None of them have been the PS2, you know, DCS install. We've we've installed uh, the Quantum Magnum in there and mostly DCC. Okay. G is two rail. Yes. And most of it runs on DC. So you could put in a PS2 board, but DC lends itself to DCC more than it does to DCS. Okay. Within five miles of me is a huge, somewhere over 3,000 lineal feet, I guess it would be G-scale track. Sets on, I don't know, three, four acres. I've been having conversations with the designer and builder of that to maybe do a, do a podcast. And I saw a film of one of his USA big boys, and it ran on battery, but... I golly, I was just overwhelmed at this big boy. And I think uh, a, Gary told me you guys had done an install on one. We um, we did, and that uh, the USA big boy. It is a beautiful piece of machinery. Um, I that was one of the most memorable installations that uh, that I've done. Uh, we did that uh, last Thanksgiving. Uh, it comes with um, a Phoenix sound system already built in. Okay, um, and. It's you know it's set up to run analog, and what we did is we installed the new Crest Train Engineer Revolution, which is a radio-controlled uh, decoder, and it installs much in the same way as a regular decoder would, um, and it was going to be operated off of um, track power. And somebody really put some thought into the design of that locomotive. It was just four screws, and you took the entire top half of the boiler off, and everything you needed to get at was right there in front of you. Holy cow. And the drive is so smooth on those that you literally could push the locomotive by hand and the entire drivetrain would just roll right along. So they, uh, my hat's off to them on um, on their design on that. Now, how long is, is something like that big boy? How long is that thing? Including the tender, it's probably uh, probably close to four feet long. Jiminy Christmas. And it weighs, uh, I think the boiler, if I remember right, weighed about 60 pounds by itself. <laughs> So it was uh, it was quite uh, quite a feat uh, handling that on the workbench. So we uh, we just set the track right up on the bench and left it right on the rail. So that way, if we had to move it, you could just push it one way or the other. Well, I know the the gentleman down here that owns this one. His is battery powered. The batteries alone added another eighteen pounds to it, and he's got a video of his big boy pulling a. I think he was able to get 120 cars behind it. And, I mean, the locomotive just, it could have been a light move. It was not straining at all, pulling all these cars. And because there's grades, I mean, the desert, Mm -hmm. you get down to Phoenix and the desert is flat, especially when you go west towards California. But like where I live, where he is, we're up in the foothills. So this is 
you know, very rolly and so forth. So his area of uh, Dynamite Road has building grades and so forth like that. And this this big boy is just moving along like there is nothing behind it. It's a it's a be- definitely a beautiful piece of machinery. Yeah, my wife goes, well, why didn't you do that? And I go, honey, we don't have three acres. And that locomotive probably costs as much as a, a decent used car. <laughs> I said, that's why. Because aren't they about four, or $5,000 brand new? Yeah, I think they're, uh, they were just under $4,000. And uh, Holy cow. And they and uh, there's, there's a lot of them that went out the door. They, they sold quite a few of them. The last time we had a major train event down at Westworld here, which is in Scottsdale, where they do Barrett-Jackson Auto, there was a train event. And there was a guy in there selling these E-units. They were beautiful. There were UP. There were SP Daylights. And they were, I don't know, three feet long. And they were only like 400 bucks a piece. And I was just amazed. So I guess, what was that? Something likely to be G-scale or bigger than any O-gauge I'd ever seen? Probably G-scale. My introduction into G-scale was an anniversary present from my wife. And and I love her for this. <laughs> yes. You know, she said, go get what you want. I said, okay. And it was uh, the first MTH release in their number one gauge, which, again, runs on the G-scale track. But its scale ratio is, is 132. And I went out and I got the first release of, of the Hudson. And it's a sight to see once you finally get some sort of track laid out and the, the power to to move it. You know, and, and I've bought the, the rolling stock to go behind it through the years. And, and my trains have gotten longer and longer. And, yeah, to see that steam engine come around the bush, which in my world is actually a huge tree, it's a great sight to see. And garden railroading, there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there for garden railroading. Again, if you're going to go DCC or DCS or just running an analog, garden railroading is, is a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, too, because I, I have to tell you, my, my little garden railroad you know, is a jungle right now. You can't find the tracks. And I sent Gary a picture once that, uh, look what I found in my backyard. It's the, it's the lost double track main line yeah but you're right it's you know to have a sense of scale on it you need acres and i haven't had acres since we left michigan so and actually i don't want to take care of acres so I'm, i'll stick with ho uh that's incredible though you can hire little people to ride on that and be the locomotive crew what else do you see coming out on the uh the larger scale phil got any trends developing there that people need to be on the lookout for I do know that uh, MTH is planning on taking their PS3, which is in HO right mm-hmm. now, and moving it into the larger scales so that the, the O-scale 2 rail will be first equipped with PS3, which again means they're going to have DCS, DCC, and analog running with sound. Uh, and then they're eventually going to move that into the 3 rail world as well, which is nice because there there are some things that... You know, we all have gauge envy. You know, there are things that Gary has and can do with his HO trains that I would love to be able to do on my O gauge yes. and my O scale yeah. and vice versa. You know, Lionel has always had some sort of sound, whether it was the, the electronic mighty sound of steam, which was basically a, a white noise machine that was synchronized to the drivers to what we have now with ProtoSound system and, and the Lionel Legacy system and, and even QSI systems uh, in, in some of the larger scale. I think the sound and some of that interactive stuff that could only be done in the larger scales at the time because of the space, 
that has trended down into uh, HO and into the smaller scales. And on the flip side of the coin, you see DCC and the ability to do computer control and extra programming and whatnot, and just control systems in general moving and trending into the larger scales. So what I see happening is that we're all going to be happy that that, that gauge envy is, is going to disappear because I can do everything that, that Gary can do except, uh, you know, mine's bigger. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, that size thing. Well, and I've noticed, too, I was doing some research on some cars I was weathering in. I came across some atlas o-scale ads for some of their cars and these were not toy cars these were highly detailed gunderson twin stack container cars and i was really impressed with that element of realism coming in to the large scales is that what you also see over on the g scale side more attention to detail i do see that more on the g scale side you know g scale started out with LGB. It was really a European thing that came over here. And so what you were getting were what some would consider a toy-like train to run outside, which was a great novelty. And so, yeah, you see, like you mentioned earlier, the USA Trains Big Boy and how MTH has has gotten into the the game several years ago. They got into the game with their one-gauge stuff. And the detail and the functionality that's built into it looks more like the American prototype so yeah, absolutely. There, there is uh, a lot more trending, and and USA Trains has has a phenomenal assortment of rolling stock that is very detailed for for G gauge. And you mentioned the Atlas Gundersons. I have a few sets of them. I have you know one of them on display behind two Atlas SD forty dash twos on one of my shelves, and atlas and we are an atlas dealer as well has really they they came out of nowhere with the o stuff they've always been around for ho and when atlas o came out at first it was kind of you know a, a little chintzy because they were just getting their feet wet but once they jumped in man they they put out some highly detailed locomotives and rolling stock comet passenger cars uh, that are 21 inches long and they're they're scale Atlas, I think, has has forced uh, MTH and Lionel to do more scale uh, and detail. As much as MTH kind of forced Lionel to do more detail and and more functionality, Atlas has forced both of them to do a little bit more detail. And it it was kind of hard to look at at first because as far as three rails concerned, we got used to the the boxy Lionelized rolling stock and locomotives. And there, was, and there was a reason behind it. They wanted to uh, make it economical for families in, in the 50s and 40s even and further up into the 70s and 80s. And they wanted to be able to do tighter radiuses. So they made a gauge locomotive, which had some detail but wasn't to scale. But now from N to G, you will see detail like you've never seen before, and proper proportions. But it, it takes a little time for people. For me, I have so many Lionel trains, you know, from locomotives to rolling stock. For me to switch into the scale size, it was kind of a, a hard thing for me to do because I have so much time and money invested in the short. Yes. But, you know, I look at it this way. I, I watch trains go by, and there's all shapes and sizes of, of cars. So I can see mixing and matching some of them lesser scale cars with some of the scale cars 
and even keeping the shorty cars like in a yard so that there's stuff in the yard. Right. So you, you know, the yard is hardly ever empty. There's a place for everything. And, and the fact of the matter is it's, it's your world no matter what gauge you're in, what scale you're in. It's your world. You can do with it what you want. So, But definitely I, I, I see a trend in a lot more detail and a lot more scale modeling in G, which is where the question started from. Yeah. I definitely see it coming along. Okay. And I'm like you, one of the, when I got into hobby, N-Scale was just crude toys. You know, even though they made space when we were just renting an apartment, but I'm too anal to not have things uh, scale and detailed. That's why I'm in HO. But I watched my hobby guy unload an order the other day and it had these engaged locomotives. And I went, good grief, these things are detailed. Scale size, handrails and so forth. I don't know where they were, Atlas or uh, Aethern, but I went, wow, this scale has just come a real long way since last time I took a serious look at it. And they can be just as expensive as some of the O and G oh, yes. because of what they have to put in it. Yeah, you're going to pay your tool and die uh, men for making good molds there. Amazing. Well, I tell you what, we've had an incredibly informative uh, conversation here. Any last comments? Phil? mentioned um, computer control a little while ago. Yes. And that is another trend that we're seeing evolve here, bringing your PC into the operation of, uh, of your, your layout. Yeah. And we're taking operations to a completely new level now. And a great example of that is uh, one of our technicians, Don Iris. He models the Providence and Worcester Railroad. Uh, he was actually featured by Railroad Model Craftsman last spring. He was the cover feature article in it. He's got a uh, full basement layout, double-decker, and he uses his PC for dispatching, and he uses Signal Pro, which is part of uh, the Decoder Pro suite from uh, JMRI. Okay. Um, sorry, Panel Pro, not Signal Pro. And that's actually a free program that uh, users can download. You just need a computer interface to tie your PC to your system. But he has taken this to uh, an even higher level than most uh, modelers probably would even consider. He had a friend of his help set up the system and worked with those guys on operations nights. But he unfortunately had to move down to Georgia because of his job, and he still wanted to be part of the railroad. So what they did is they set it up so that he can dial in to Don's computer from Georgia, and he is actually dispatching and controlling switches and turnouts and signals like they do in the prototype. And they've actually got radios that they set up, and they're talking over um, over the radio as well. <laughs> so, so you, you, we've just taken you know from being able to bring the locomotives to life with special lighting effects and sound to actually a true prototypical scenario where you're getting on the radio and you're calling a dispatcher who's not even in the same state as you. Oh yeah, just like CSX uh, does. Ex exactly. Trains in Ohio and dispatches in Florida. Only he's doing it on uh, 187th scale Providence and Worcester from uh, <laughs> from Rhode Island down to Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. So, it's, uh, and, uh, so he's uh, he's another very valuable resource that we have that um, if uh, guys that are getting interested in computer control, uh, he's another one of our go-to people that um, he's he, you know, he just loves talking about it. So he'll he'll uh, he'll take any excuse to uh, help somebody uh, troubleshoot any problems they're having. That's usually the way it is. When somebody's that passionate about what they do, they're more than willing to share that knowledge. You know, all you got to do is ask them sometimes. 
Well, I want to thank Gary Polino and Phil Greenberg for taking their time to be with us on the podcast. Golly, what an incredible couple of shows. So again, thanks for your time, guys. I know I've learned a lot about it. And, you know, as soon as my wife ups my allowance, I could see us doing some business, maybe having you guys pop, you know, a couple of those QSI uh, decoders and a couple SD40-2s for me. Thanks again, guys. I have enjoyed the heck out of this. Mm -hmm.